0: Hey look, it's uh it's a weird time. Take these long breaks between episodes these days for a lot of reasons. Let's uh let's pick up. Where do we pick up? Is my last episode my lonely as fuck? Sorry ass birthday in Nashville. Uh well I escaped Nashville, finally. I escaped Nashville. Uh, shut that situation down. Now I'm battling the apartment complex that uh I was living at because uh it costs a lot to break a lease. Not a decision to be made lightly. But that city was breaking my heart uh for a lot of reasons. It sucked because it was almost great. Uh, the comedy scene was was uh, dubious at best. There were a handful of like really solid. Dedicated comics, which is my metric for like a good comic, not like are you the funniest or like you write the best jokes or you know you're the cleverest. Just about like, do you show up regularly, and do you commit, or or do you are do you commit to committing, or are you just there? Do you do you love the lifestyle? You know, I think the best nights that I've had while I was in Nashville was just after an open mic, sort of the round table assembled. Uh This dude John Hickok. Uh, six foot eight, Tennessee, this fucking oak of a man, <laughs> and uh, he would whip out a cigar, and we'd start drinking and just talking shit, man. Some of the best fucking shit talking, like some like on like yeah, I mean, you know, camaraderie is why I always loved comedy. Uh, because it's the only place that I think loners can find other loners and learn how to interact with other human beings uh, in a way that matters. And as I've gotten older, I've learned that, you know, particularly in my mid-30s, ouch, my 30s, people really take the off-ramp to mediocrity and banality. They really do. And that's not a a criticism. I mean, there's a large part of me that wishes, if for no other reason than the comfort and the... uh, Uh... ease of just getting a girlfriend getting engaged getting married and then boom that's it work your tech job you know make your six figures and uh call it a day um and there's a part of me that now feeling the uh obstacles that I've been battling you know I don't I don't poo-poo that but uh I forgot what my point was what was I saying yeah, but there are other people who just continue trying to, you know, pursue this lifestyle of, create, of creativity and artistic expression and self-discovery and, you know, living life how it's supposed to be lived, life how it probably was before the advent of consumer culture. You know, you just were sort of like, either I work this farm or I'm going to get on this horse with a sword or a six-shooter and go fucking try to find some life, you know? And I think we've gotten very, very far away from that. People are very risk adverse. And as I've pontificated about many a time, you know, I think the COVID culture has doubled down on that. it's made people even more fearful of uh, risk and uncertainty. And it's ruined dating, of course. You know, again, I don't know if it's being just 36 and talking to women in their 30s. But, you know, everyone is dealing in this, like, it's not romance driven. It's compatibility driven. (laughs) you know people are looking for people they're compatible with sweetheart are we compatible no it's not it used to be about you know are you interesting are you funny do you make me laugh or do you challenge me do i get nervous when i'm around you do do i feel a, a tickle in the belly of my stomach when you turn a corner and you're there and we make eye contact now it's did we vote for the same senator <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare and back to that off ramp that's where most people are now you know if you're not actively pursuing some sort of artistic dream why wouldn't you just cash in you know push in your chips and say all right give me a job with benefits uh a girl who or a partner or a guy or whoever who doesn't challenge me but they're compatible with me and uh, call it a life my god is that what it's come to We survive this fucking global pandemic and then it's just find the lowest common denominator human to fuck? Get out of here. So, this is a very eloquent way of me saying I'm alone. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you want the truth, you want the real deal, you want a life that is worth talking about at some point. This is the path. And at this point, I don't know that I want a life that's worth talking about. I think I want a life that I enjoyed. And that's where the struggle now lies. So anyway, I left Nashville. There were some good comics there, some hilarious dudes, John Hickok, DeHerm, who was uh, is a fellow African American comedian. And I'll say this interacting with uh, black people, fellow black people, and southern black people in particular rings back to like real childhood insecurities where you know connecting with my extended family I always felt alienated because I was sort of you know I went to private school and you know I wasn't really I didn't I didn't fit in I watched anime I didn't watch sports I was always very alienated but the 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 black comics in Nashville seeing my set and the stuff I talked about just you know you know why are we listening to rich white girls or you know liberal white women's victories are not black people's victories and you know Asians don't like you know just talking about real shit and having them not only underst not only laugh, not only understand what I was talking about, but laugh at what I was talking about, and then you know, warm up to me was very, very uh, good and positive, and that that meant a lot to me. Because my entire life, I've been trying to get you know, my fellow brothers and sisters to understand who I am and what I'm saying, and I think I'm finally, as an adult, turning that corner where they do, and uh, that matters to me. And this dude DeHerm, just like it pains me because like he was in this bullshit scene that was run ostensibly by like rich white girls uh who were just, who had no sense of humor weren't funny and uh just and this is there are plenty of funny female comedians and women comedians white women comedians that's not my point here these particular ones were very gatekeeperish um and i could tell you know try to shut them down and cast them out and this didn't give them this his due and this man roasted like I've never seen someone roast. I mean, there was this one dude that DeHerm roasted. Uh, <laughs> he's I don't know what his what this other kid's deal was. This guy, this other dude, comedian. But he was like, I want I want to give it up for uh, we'll call this other comedian Steve. I want to give it up for Steve's caretaker for dropping him off today because <laughs> this kid was just off, very off individual. And just like, God, it is like, 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 I was watching Def Jam in 1995. I was like crying, laughing at an open mic. And if you are a comedian, you know how fucking like rare that is. Uh, and I don't know. And it was just like, it was astonishing. And he just, you know, it's like, this guy should be a fucking headliner at the comedy store. And I'm sure he will be one day. He's a good dude. Uh, anyway, so I, but I left. But, but otherwise, outside of that, the city sucked. Otherwise, the comedy scene was very sort of like clicky and. There was one club, and like that club didn't even do open mics, which is fucking retarded. Uh, like there was, it's just bullshit. Like the only way to get in at that club was to like hang out. You know, it's like the comedy store has a fucking open mic at least. You know what I mean? And like one anyway. This is a very inside baseball comedy focused episode of Out of My Thirties. But all that said, I had to leave. I wasn't connecting with anyone outside of the few people in the comedy scene that I was. Uh, like it, it, it was racist, it was a racist city. I mean, I, I, you know, I always kind of assumed that like my charming New York affability would uh win over the you know the historical inequities of this country, but it seemed not to be the case. So, uh, I went home to New York, um, been home for about three months in New York, and I have been having some swallowing issues, which is not a gay joke. <laughs> Uh, just like my throat, like uh, I've you know I've had like these neck pains and like it's like made my swallowing muscle. It, it's like very weird, but basically I got an endoscopy, and they're like, oh yeah, your throat has narrowed, and they had to like stretch it and shit. So I had to do like two endoscopies, uh, which were kind of cool actually because, <laughs> I mean it was not fun, oh, and generally speaking, but they not the like being put under, but being put under being put under anesthesia is like such a fucking like ultimate release because your life is literally in someone else's hands. You lay, like you lay on your side in the fetal position like a child. And they're like, all right, night, night. And you're like, okay, um, don't kill me and please bring me back to consciousness. Uh, But there's like this weird surrender into sort of being like, okay. And, and then you turn back on and like they were poking around inside of you and like you're none the wiser. It's so weird. So I had to do two of those. They stretched it out. It's a little bit better. Uh, largely heartburn and stuff. I mean, I. Anyway, this is not the point of this fucking podcast to like give you my medical history. Although that's uh, surely what half of it is. And now I'm here, back in the woods, losing my mind, uh, living with my mom and dad again. Uh, still working. I mean, I make plenty of money. It's just like okay, now I need to decide where to go once again. Um, and it looks like California, L.A is going to be the the decision um cuz i realize, like i'm i'm tired of being alone you know as much as i was shitting on people who find partners earlier I, I, you you need some community you need some network you need some people in your life and i relationships change and that perhaps is the third aspect of this episode is how much People and relationships have changed. It's, I mean, you know, they they change, you know, regardless of global pandemics and whatever else has occurred in the past like couple of years. But, um, I I don't I don't have any friends anymore. It's crazy. It's like my longest friends are like we are not friends anymore. You know, like one of my best friends from high school. uh He's a he's he's a well-off person in the creative world you know uh he came to visit me in Nashville and the first night we had a really fun night just bullshit and laughing it was actually really really fun uh and then in the the next morning He's like, hey, what are we doing today? And I was like, nothing, I'm working, it's Monday. You changed your flight from Friday to Saturday, like, last minute. So, like, we got to hang out Saturday. I'll, I'll see if I can hang out with you today. He's like, oh, man, that's really fucked up. Like, I came all the way to see you, like, trying to guilt me and shit. And, like, he didn't really, I mean, he came to see me, but, like, this man always has ulterior motives and shit. And we got, I, like, called him out on him. I just like, you know, you're not going to, like, make me feel bad about this dude. Like, you were on some scheming shit. And, like, I don't, like, and I'm down to see you, but my life doesn't start and stop at your behest. And then we got into a whole big argument about, like, other stuff and how he's always been this way. And then that was in August. And I haven't talked to him since. Face FaceTimed him once. So there goes one, you know, friendship of 20 years over. For now, anyway. An old other buddy. I mean, anyway, it's just, like, people have no patience for one another anymore. And again, it's what this stupid fucking pandemic has done. It, it you know, the 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 gov the government and the media, they're all like uh if you do this you'll be safe. If you do this you'll be safe. And it like created this mentality that like somehow it's possible to be safe from calamity in life at all times. And it's not. Particularly from a of a, 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 a pathogen, which is absurd, you know. It's just like, you know, do your you can do your best to avoid it, but you are at some point going to experience woe. Um, so eat your vitamins, eat your vegetables and when this super soldier vaccine is ready, if you want it, get it but I think that permeated the subconscious of people and now they attribute that thinking to many other aspects of their life You know, where they're like, well I can be safe and perfect in relationships I can be safe and perfect in romance I can be safe and perfect in work and it's like there are no guarantees and this is creating a boring as fuck reality and now everyone is acting like a goddamn NPC in a video game, you know everyone's just like no no that is not within the parameters of, of responses that i can provide please try again you know it's like if you go up to an npc and you like you say some gibberish in a video game and they're like i don't understand goodbye and they walk away that's what people are like now so <sighs> i've been struggling i'm really glad i decided to do this episode have been lonely man i've been fucking lonely but but things are, are tightening though, you know, and I'm like, I've been addressing issues that I've been putting off, particularly like the, the throat stuff and Nashville sucked. But I did a lot of stuff that I wasn't going to do in the comfort and familiarity of New York. How about that? Outside your comfort zone is where it happens. And I know that's like a fucking age old cliche. But. If you can see the boundaries, you'll just swim back to them. And I always think about this. It reminds me my mom brought me to a swim class when I was like five or seven years old or some shit like that. And I was afraid. You know, the swim instructor was like, I was holding onto the wall and the swim instructor was like, okay, just jump out to me. And I wouldn't do it. And my mom let me not do it. I told her I was scared and she took me away and I stopped swimming. And I, if I had stayed with that, I probably would have been a fucking athlete. My mom really pisses me off. (sighs) Should have jumped into that water? But the problem is I do a lot of jumping. And I get fucked up. And it hurts and I go back home. Alright, I see the problem here. I have to accept getting a little fucked up. I had an emergency appendectomy two years ago. And guess what? I'm mostly fine now. Still have some scar tissue. That's like, it still hurts sometimes. But other than that... It's like, whatever, life goes on. Yeah, you get injured, you get hurt, you get dumped, your friends leave you, you lose your job. That is that is life, and that's what I'm telling people. There is no fucking safety in this, and stop thinking with this COVID mentality that you can somehow avoid a calamity. You can't. You breathe it in. You drink it. It's your friend. You love it, you dirty sluts. As is Jack Burton on the Pork Chop Express talking to anyone who's listening out there. It's like I told my last wife I said, Sweetheart, I never drive faster than I can see. And besides that, it's all in the reflexes. From 1986's Big Trouble in Little China. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes happy, sometimes not occasionally i get these bursts of clarity or remembering like i remember i woke up one day and like for one second it felt like i remembered what my body felt like at 14 waking up on my teenage mutant ninja turtle bedsheets on a summer day in harlem with my 486 computer pentium 2 processor everquest loaded up Counter strike standing by computer desk. And just have fucking you know, I was a sad boy then. I've always been sad and depressed. Parents, do me a favor. If you if your child is clearly fucking depressed, like do something about it. Jesus Christ. Mom just stared at me for 36 years, being like, Oh, he's just serious. No, he's suicidal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I I I have but recently I've been having these moments of like remembering what it was to be a more buoyant individual who wasn't carrying all this emotional weight so i don't know if you guys listen to this shit like i always say i really do appreciate it and if you have any commiserate experiences share them with me it's a quote from star trek 5 i couldn't help but notice your pain share it with me that's cybok spock's brother from 1989's star trek 5 the final frontier Is that 89? Yeah, because Undiscovered Country was 91. Probably 89 or 88. Anyway. I don't know. So. Although Miami does seem nice. I don't know. It's just like there's this YouTube channel, Bald and Bankrupt. And part of me just wants to, like, throw everything into just accepting, like. Because I'm I'm still trying to hold on to, like, the semi-had-it-together good-looking... Or I'm still good looking, but like just a healthier version of myself who had like, you know, uh, you know, a, a harem of women and like, you know, good, good goober dude friends and all of that's gone. So part of me is trying to like hold on to like reclaiming that. But I think that's perhaps where the dissonance is that I need to accept that I've lost stuff, but I've also gained a shitload and I've also gained a lot of confidence and self-clarity. That I need to lean more into rather than trying to, you know, relive my you know late twenties and accept the fact that like in four years you're gonna be forty. Um and the only thing that would make that not make me want to kill myself is if I was a famous comedian, or at least the known working comedian who has a cult collection of books that people love. Well, I guess I answered my own question, as I always do here. Anywho. Uh, thanks, guys. I'm gonna try to. I always say it. I'm gonna try to keep keep being uh consistent here, and uh maybe do some video episodes. See how that goes. Um, but yeah. Ouch, my thirties.